0: You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana now a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. I am back. Welcome back. Can you believe it's been almost a year since I recorded a Three Makes Baby podcast episode? I was looking back and it was April of 2023. And it's I had so much going on last year, major life transitions. All of them were really, really good. Um, My son graduated from college. My daughter graduating from high school. My husband took a new job as a CEO. And we moved out of Dallas where we lived for 25 years. So we moved to the Hill Country in Texas. So new house. Um, That's the first time I've moved in 18 years. And that is such a process, but everything went really well. I just had to take a step back and do all that. And of course, you know, I maybe, well, maybe you know, I go to the mountains every summer in Montana to reset. So I did that as well. And I'm in my fourth year of the Three Makes Baby podcast recording. Can you believe it? Where did the time go? I feel like this was just going to be like a short term project and look what it's become. And then also, over the summer, while I was in the mountains, the Three Makes Baby book, the book I p- published, celebrated its fifth year anniversary. So dang, I can't believe it's been out there for five years already. And you know, here's a different thing about, here's another thing about podcasting after a little bit of a break. So much really has changed and just in a short period of time within the field of donor conception and I have noticed so many more people are opening up and talking about it and that means I'm able to even do video format now with people before if you remember when I first started the podcast a lot of people wanted to remain un- unknown some people even used aliases so they didn't use their real name but wow things are changing so fast and you'll see three remix baby podcast on video format Um, on YouTube, and also um, little snippets on social media. So cool new things. I just, and I'm constantly having to learn new things because I do this all myself, you know? And I'm also proud to say that 3 Makes Baby Podcast has never, ever taken any sponsorship money. So not once, and especially not any sponsorship from the donor conception industry or field. We're pure, we're pure over here. I am excited about today's guest because she is donor conceived, but she is also a an actress, a producer, and she's a composer, and she has written a musical about donor conception and this episode has so much heart. We both got teary-eyed, and I when I was listening back and editing it, I teared up again. I mean, it's just it's really touching. I love Aaron, I love your heart, and I just ah this musical, I think, is going to really be so healing for so many people. So, all right, listen in. This is a good one. Hey, everyone! I am here today with someone super special, and I'm really excited about it. Erin Maya is a singer, actress, writer, composer of this musical. That's she. You just came out. It just you just released it. You just, pre- I guess, performed it recently in the past month and you're also donor conceived, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so that's why you're here. Even just being able to see you and record face-to-face mm-hmm. is like this,
1: I don't know, it's just really, it feels really good to me to do this. Yeah. It's, it makes it like a lot more personal for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Okay.
0: So there's all the buzz about two weeks ago about the complete picture, your musical. Just all the buzz. I mean, I was hearing it everywhere. Did you see her your my, Did you see it? Did you see it? And like, oh my God, it was so amazing. It was amazing. And I I was just like I was so excited because
1: I know I remember seeing that you've been working on this for a while now, right? Four years. Yeah, four years ago, I started actually writing it, but it's definitely been like a little seed of an idea implanted for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thank
0: you for letting me preview it and I got to watch it. I didn't, we didn't get to be there in person. It, you,
1: it, it, what would you say it debuted is that how you say it yeah it was like it was it was a concert debuting the music so it was oh, okay. basically just like introduce everyone to the music from the show and basically little like bullet points of the storyline to just get some interest going the full show is written though And hopefully hopefully that's the next step. So hopefully you'll be able to see the whole thing someday. (laughs) Yeah, that would be so amazing. Okay, so it's a rock musical. Yeah, like I didn't want like the Broadway rock sound. I wanted like a raw rock sound for certain. So I'll kind of back up for a minute. I just, I'll let
0: you say when you found out personally that you were donor conceived, because I know you mentioned it that
1: night at the show, Mm -hmm. but when did you find out and who told you? I found out... When I was 15 years old, so I believe that's like freshman, freshman in high school, my mom told me it came up, first of all, that it was three years after my dad who raised me had passed away from cancer. And so I was already kind of going through my grieving process with that and you know complicated because when you're preteen that's like not a fun age (laughs) oh that's so hard for processing feelings but i'm glad that i'm glad that my mom told me because the way it came up was people always used to point out that me and my brother that we don't look alike just you know just passing on the street just random people i come from a small town and people just always would be like you and your brother look nothing alike I would never think you were brought. You know, he kind of he kind of looks like your dad, but you, I can't figure it out. You have yeah. nose and teeth, but you and him, like, I'm just people. Just love how people do that. that. Oh, do that. I love it. It's mm. just great when people comment on people's appearance. Period. Yeah. Right? Isn't that so <laughs> lovely?
0: It's like thank you. I'm. I feel like I'm on the examining table, but yeah, yeah. I, I want to get into that feeling. Those things and that that you talked about and you addressed really in this in the musical. Um, so it opens up with your with a song or your dead dad, and your dead mm-hmm. dad is, is. And I'm saying that not to be
1: crude. I'm saying that because no, no, mom. yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's very much an element in the show, as much as there are many uh, like emotional tender moments. There's mm-hmm. also a lot of like that kind of like tongue-in-cheek, dark humor sort of. Mm-hmm. Because I always have been of the mind that like sometimes things are so hard, you just like have to laugh or you'll Absolutely. cry. And yes, that's how the I would say the character, Kira, I would say that's how her mind works. And so a lot of Pat's stuff, since he's like her subconscious, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff is a little bit, you know, I mean, de- talking about dead dad with jazz hands, you know. Right. <laughs> what
0: What's interesting is like, I, I watched it twice. The second time I was like, oh, he in the song, I remember he's saying, why are you speaking to me? Because that was your actual dad that had deceased. And so it ends with, you know, it ends with you speaking and saying, well, you're not my dad. Who am I? And so it's like, almost like you were, you can see like the psychological and emotional state of Kira. I'm saying you, but I mean, Kira. Of course, of course. (laughs) That are, that's where she's at. And then the second song is that, you know, goes into that kind of, I think it is pet. It's, and then we know that's this. You explain that's a sub, your subconscious, Kira's subconscious. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do that the whole time. It's
1: okay. It's a Freudian slip that happens all the time because it's, I play Kira. <laughs> yeah, it's Kira. It's Kira's
0: subconscious. It's a subconscious. And so that, and, and I think this is kind of really cool. And I'm going to let you explain it too. But just from a therapist's point of view, I love how you give the subconscious and that part of your mind a, Uh, and you you embody it and you give it a literal place because we we often don't realize how powerful it really is and by doing that you kind of you're able to show that on stage for someone else who maybe doesn't understand what you're going through internally
1: is that what is that yeah I love that you picked up on it and I also like love hearing your therapist point of view of the show too (laughs) I love it yeah yeah, no, that's you nailed it. Yeah. So for me, I wanted, I wanted Kira. A uh, Kira originally. So it's funny that you keep caught like being like Aaron Kira. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I originally four years ago started writing the show. It started off autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And then I realized very quickly that I didn't want it to be auto- autobiographical. I wanted some distance. And I just kind of like outlined bullet points of what like what is the message i'm trying to get across in this piece and like what is the best way for me to achieve that you know and so creating a fictional story was the best way i found but there were certain elements of my own story that i kept that i thought were valuable for helping deliver that message and part of that was it was that element of like the subconscious so like originally Hera when she was based off of me, she was somebody who talked about her emotions a lot. Cause like I, Erin Maya, wear my heart on my sleeve and I mm-hmm. I am an emotion I'm you very see. comfortable <laughs> talking about my emotions. Yeah. But I found that that very quickly I found that that on stage is very boring. It's a lot okay yeah. so much more interesting for there to be an obstacle for characters to not speak their emotions, for them to instead it, for it to be active and for us to watch this character and their behavior informs us about yes. their emotions. Yes. So that was basically, that was the switch that I think really kind of ignited this show for me was when I decided, okay, Kira's a bad communicator. She doesn't like to share things. So Pat, her the memory of her father that lives in, that's really like her subconscious, he's going to be the character that, is revealing to the audience and to Kira how she really feels. So he sure. can be big, he can be huge mm. and and then we can watch how throughout the show as she's going through this like grieving process essentially both with her donor conceived identity and with like unresolved grief with her father, we watch how she is, starts to slowly become a better communicator and mm. the need for Pat starts to not be as strong so Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah so opening number with like dead dad you know when when it's staged someday I mean Kira said nothing she doesn't sing or anything that whole opening number like in the script it's written that she's like she's a photographer so she's like taking family photos and like the dad in the family photo, she see it sees as her dad and he's like singing and then she's walking down the street and she sees her dad who passed away and he's singing. So like, it's like kind of a day in the life of somebody who anybody who's lost a parent or a family member, or a loved one knows that like you just you have to keep moving forward and, but throughout your day there will just be things here and there you'll see a billboard of something a restaurant they liked which is a lyric and like yeah you know somebody will say something it reminds you of mm-hmm. them so like that opening number was very like it's supposed to be big this is the noise in her head and then like it ends with her just speaking that one line saying without my dad who am I which is like the question of like the whole show as both like donor conceived person and as someone who lost their parent who raised them, who's very much, current, you know, got it. Okay. So that helps explain because, and also, oh, the lyric is without my dad, not you're not my dad. Oh. So oh. luckily that's a lot That's it's not as harsh. I heard it as you're not
0: my dad. Wow. Okay. So it which, ends with, I mean, like, oh, who knows that could God. be as,
1: you know your own my oh my
0: gosh okay that's probably what i heard because that's the stuff that i that i hear parents being afraid of so okay well Mm that definitely changes that then you described this process of kira's subconscious being kind of separate this separate entity which is pat and you know it's very loud and and but then meanwhile she's very quiet and you you learn that because in the second number was sung by pierre jean gonzalez and it was uh, yeah, t- I, I typed to you. I messaged you. Oh. I was like, I love that. That one hit me.
1: Elephant or Giraffe. Well, I'll let you explain. So the song is called How to Build a Nursery, but many people call it like elephant or giraffe because that is like the hook of the song. Uh, okay. Basically, <laughs> the twist of the song is that, you know, Kira and her her partner, they find themselves pregnant and it was unexpected, but her partner... Eric, I almost called him Pierre. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> her partner, Eric, he's so excited. Like that's, you know, that's all he wants his life. He wants the happily ever after. He loves Kira. He wants to build a family. He also, you know, we learn in like the first scene with him that he just, he's an architect and he just like landed like kind of his dream job. So he like is in a place where he's like, oh my ducks in a row. I'm ready to like, you know. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have like Kira who doesn't feel like her ducks are in a row whatsoever. She feels like there's this, okay, now I have a baby coming. And like, I don't even know who I am. I'm going to pass that question mark onto my kid. So, and because she's not a good communicator, she hasn't expressed that to her partner, Eric. So Mm -hmm. as a result, these last few months during this pregnancy, she has not been like, you know, most expecting mothers are she hasn't been excited she hasn't been showing enthusiasm whereas her partner her male partner is the one who's like so pumped which mm. i i thought that yeah. that was an thing to thing to put on stage yeah. just excitement of a dad mm. so in that song basically he's trying he's building a nursery she walks in and he's in the middle of building a nursery but he's building it in her studio like in her work office. Oh you know. okay, okay and so immediately she's like cold. And yeah. It's one of those like this this guy didn't really think this through, but right. he had intentions. <laughs> yeah. Know. He met well, um, but yeah, and like and so he basically leaves the choice up to her, like elephant themed or giraffe themed. I came up with all these plans for you. I have this whole presentation yeah. for you. And uh-huh it's all for the purpose of he's trying to pump her up and excite her and basically get yeah. her on his team and like unfortunately as we learn through the song like he, he doesn't get her um so. yeah and well
0: because it, it ends with yeah basically he's trying he's trying to figure out how to get her trust because mm-hmm. she has obviously been through so much that it's it's hard for her to trust yeah and that i see this reflected in so many donor-conceived people, it makes sense with late discovery if they find out later. It's really hard to trust after a big betrayal like that. It's really hard to trust. Really hard. And trust yeah. is something that is, you know, I I kind of, when I teach my clients about it, I have an analogy I use. Trust isn't something that you just like, you gain back and then like, okay, we're good. We're good forever. It's like, it, it's there's this back and forth to it. But but not to go too much into that, lost trust is is such a big, theme in donor conception and adoption to donor conception even if you've been told when you know from the time you were young there may be lost trust around communication maybe you're you knew but no one really talked about it you know maybe you knew but you were told not to talk about it you were told to keep it a secret so there's just a lot of kind of underlying trust issues and then how would you say that that has you've you've seen that in the community from donor conceived people that issue of trust?
1: Yeah, trust. You nailed it. I mean, trust is such a huge theme of this, especially mm-hmm. for late discovery. And I've definitely felt as like a donor conceived person. I feel like learning how to trust, how to allow myself to trust others, to trust myself. All of that has been like a theme, and I think I'll probably work on that like forever, but. I'm a long way but I I see it all the time in the community Mm -hmm. and I do think a lot of that comes from you know if I, I always like think about the fact that like when we're little one of the first things we're taught we're taught like usually mama dada or mama mama dada dada we're like taught like these are these are your parents. It's like the first thing you start speaking and all of that. And then as you're like a child, you start to learn like, this is bad and this is good. This is right. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. Lying is bad. Telling the truth is good. So like all of this is like, they're like the foundational blocks. So then when you find out later in life that like, that those foundational blocks that you were taught by the people that you admired, you that you admired too. that you that you instinctually as trusted because you like they were the people that were bringing you into this world and teaching you about the world and when you find out that that is not true that that was a lie, it really messes with. it Everything. 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 Everything kind of comes crumbling down when the foundation all of a sudden is gone. It does. Yeah. It's like what's real? Because yeah, if you believe- struggle with that for such a long time, what is real?
0: It's yeah. What's real? Because if you think all along that, like, you know, this is who I am and my parents are honest people. And mm-hmm. and then you find out that isn't the truth. It's just you start questioning. I would imagine you start questioning a lot, almost everything. Like, did they lie about that?
1: Did they lie about that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it just, and then yeah. it comes into romantic relationships and every mm-hmm. relationship. Oh, it does. Yes. Every relationship mm-hmm. you have. But like, of course, just like everything in life. And I think like it It took me a long time to realize this because it is like its own grieving journey but I mean it's a lot more nuanced than that like if you're like I when I think about my parents I don't think of them as liars you know because they didn't tell me this when right. I was young yeah. so much more nuanced than that you Yeah, know?
0: yeah for like, sure it's like you you know they're complex people they're they're yeah. human they're real and so it's just sort mm-hmm. of a yeah it's it's a it's a harsh it's almost like rapid Uncom- really uncomfortable painful growing pains i don't know that's probably too minimizing to even say it's just because you you do i think you can come to a place where you can understand and love them and forgive them for their their faults and what they did we're all human and you don't put them in the category of oh they're all bad now you know maybe you no. have to for a little bit while you're maybe if you're yeah. in extreme trauma and you're and your parents are struggling and they're not speaking to you i know mm-hmm. you talked about that and there you have And one of the lines, I think the backup singer says, you know, my parents aren't speaking to me or something so that that can happen to donor conceived people where their parents will just like go cold on them when they first find out. And when they start talking about it, yeah, you might be pretty angry at your parents then. And, but hopefully with healing, you know, and there's time to get that back and get, and I, and you can gain trust back. You can.
1: You really can. Like I, I think about how just me and my me, and my mom, our own relationship, how much it has like evolved from like that time that she told me that I was donor conceived, and we didn't talk about it for a really long time after that, like I didn't yeah. feel I didn't feel like it was something that she wanted to speak about I felt like because my dad wasn't here my in my own head I sort of made up this story that like it was dishonoring him to like even
0: mm.
1: acknowledge this because he wasn't here to like have speak his part you know mm. yeah but that, we that loyalty you, that you. yeah and like you know and then when I was 30 and I took a DNA test and I read Danny Shapiro's book Inheritance I asked my mom, I told my mom my results and her mind was blown because she realized the doctor had lied to her too. So there was a lot of perspective there, like, because I was kind of like, uh, it mm. sucks to be lied to for anybody, you know, when right. it's not fair. Right. And she, I asked her to read Inheritance. And that is honestly when I, I remember our relationship with all of this completely changing. and. Wow. She became a safe space to talk to about the donor conception stuff. She became such a supporter of me speaking my truth and telling my story so that like other donor conceived people and like parents could, you know, hear somebody's story. And it's just, I'm so proud of my mom. I'm like really lucky to have a mom who's supportive like that. Hey, mom. Yay, mom. Yeah, like I want parents to know though it was, it was a journey but, at the end of the day, God, I love her so much more for like mm-hmm. acknowledging like acknowledging that she she was like young and she was going through so much she was going like her and my dad were dealing with infertility they you know, I feel like when couples i mean, I've never personally dealt with infertility, mm-hmm. but like I imagine everything is very kind of like short term you're you're just really trying to get yeah. to maybe it's really hard to have perspective like long-term perspective like you know yeah. the doc should be the doctor therapist like there should be outside sources yeah. helping people with totally. such a traumatic time and that oh so awesome that she did that and it actually there are a couple things
0: one i've I've had several interactions with danny and so danny if you're listening to this i hope you are i hope
1: that you such a fan <laughs> love <laughs> danny <Daniel Camero>. how,
0: <laughs> how healing your book inheritance has been for so many donor conceived families She's an am- amazing person. I got to attend a writing workshop with her a month ago in in the East Coast. So it was wow. really, it was really awesome. So, but I wanted to talk about that because I actually have it written down here in my notes. The, mm-hmm. the song, Elephant or Giraffe, that's not what it is. The it's nursery, okay. The nursery, that. <laughs> the nursery is speaks to the the impact of the generational impact of broken trust? Mm-hmm. And so and it set it in this theme of him, you know, building a nursery. So it's almost like it, for me as a therapist, I was like, this is it. This is it. Like, this is how we, you know, identify it and help and help heal it. So, But also that second psalm still shows you the state, psychological, emotional state of Kira and where she's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's not speaking. The first two two numbers are other people speaking and telling you what's going on with her kind of which is kind of cool. I like yeah. that. And then the other thing you said just a minute ago that I have to come back to is that the subconscious hat gets smaller. Kira learns to speak. That's like the integration of ourselves. When we heal, we integrate. our. And so instead of becoming like, you know, broken, not broken, but disintegrated parts of ourself, we learn to integrate it parts of ourself that we wouldn't acknowledge or wouldn't allow or give voice. And so mm-hmm. I love that this musical shows the process of healing and integration for someone yeah. going through it. So, so cool. And then the other thing, Pat talks about grief and shame. Pat, guilt and shame. Yeah. Really yeah, sings sings about that. Tell me about mm-hmm. Pat and the, the subconscious, the role that guilt and shame can play in a donor conceived person's life.
1: Yeah so i feel like a lot of times guilt and shame is almost like inherited for donor conceived people cuz like if you're if you're born through this this way and no one speaks about it and no one knows about it your parents don't let anybody know this is how you know and then you end up finding out whether you always know it or you know later in life like you know if you can feel your parents shame about it mm. then you sure feel it mm. and then mm. yeah like you often feel or I I can only speak for myself of course but I mean I know a lot of other donor conceived people feel this way too there is a lot of like guilt for wanting to know more about mm. about the donor about roots about that just that whole other side of yourself and it's it's really like it's nerve-wracking to 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 make that decision because yeah. you feel so much guilt because you don't want like your parents to think that like they're not enough or something like that yeah. when that's not it at all you know it's just yeah two things are just totally totally different yeah. yeah so you so like like
0: you need to protect them your parents
1: yeah yeah so like I wanted I wanted to write a song where Pat really transforms into like a complete manifestation of Kira's shame and firm guilt and shame. And for me, that was like kind of like a nasty rocker, Mm -hmm. like a nasty antagonistic rocker who will just say whatever is on it. Emotional, just let it all out. It's a great
0: outlet for those emotions because they are so powerful and they can just like be passed on through generations as i say grief time travels though (laughs) next we have the i'm not a secret which by the way i heard was incredibly powerful for many donor conceived people were in tears in the audience
1: yeah i definitely wanted to like it was important to me when i even just had the idea of the musical i knew i was like okay even though i'm going to tell one donor conceived person's story so that like audience members can really just hone in on one person's story and mm-hmm. kind of get that perspective. I knew, always knew I wanted to write one song where about community, about the community and and to touch on different types of stories. Mm-hmm. Like so that people who are not donor conceived can realize how many like how huge of a different there's just so many different stories out there for donor can see people so many different kinds of experiences yeah but it's interesting because as different as many of our experiences are we are all still tied together and like bonded by this like one thing where we all feel like a secret mm-hmm. and and it's The donor conceived community, I just found it's so empowering. It's really empowering to know that you're not alone because being donor conceived can be really isolating when you don't have a community. So,
0: yeah.
1: So it was important to me to write that song for sure.
0: Yeah. Very isolating if you're a secret, especially. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's like, you're not supposed to talk about it. It's, and coming out from under the secrecy is hard if that's all you've known. I know I heard you say in the beginning of the show that a, only a few years ago you were only able to whisper the word donor conception like I'm
1: donor yeah i yeah. I literally yeah. thought of that like the night yeah. before the concert and I actually I, I spoke on I spoke on the podcast you look like me yeah. uh, I love her i yeah. love I love yeah her. She's, she's great amazing. and yes. After, you know, this was a couple years ago, I remember after we were done recording, I was just chatting with her and her engineer, and he said, and he was the one who pointed that out, he was like, I think that it's, he was like, I was thinking as you were telling your story, it's so interesting that you mentioned you used to only be able to whisper the words donor conceived, almost like it was a curse. Yeah. Um, and. And he was like, and now you're singing about it, like that, <laughs> yeah. and and I thought about that thing that he had said oh, the yeah. night the concert. I was like, wow. Then tomorrow night, I'm going to be singing about this in front of a whole room, sold out room full of people. Like, yeah. wow, wow, that's really wow. Incredible. I know, mean, amazing. Yeah. It's true. I,
0: yeah. I cannot. I, I have such an appreciation for it because of, of being an adoptee. And for most of my life into, well, into my 40, late 30s, I still wasn't able to talk about being an adoptee. Not In my, you know, with my family and friends, yes, but publicly, no. You know, there was still this shame around being an adoptee. Well, people think I'm less than when they know that that, you know, so that's i totally relate to it and then just the empowerment of getting your voice finding your voice and using your voice literally you using your singing voice which is beautiful by the way and using your voice and singing it out to just declare this is who i am it kind of goes back to that process of, of integration we have to own our story we have to gather it in and integrate it and make us it part of us to feel healed and whole so i love that i just love it
1: I love. I love. I did. I actually didn't realize that you were adopted. My oh. best friend, he's adopted, and he mm-hmm. is also a musical writer. He's written a bunch of musicals, and he's actually the what they call the dramaturg for this show. So he was like basically my consultant because he's like a, really? a when he was done this before, okay. and and so yeah, I like to let people know. I'm like, it's really adopted folks, and donor can see people like. Joining forces on this show to make it happen because That's amazing. he really gets i i re, he really understands this story because there's so much crossover between adopted and donor conceived experiences you know so there I just is want to give him a shout out Riley Thomas
0: oh, I'm so <laughs> glad you did hey Riley because I I want to meet you because I yeah I think there's so much crossover and you know adoption in the 60s parents were told to keep it a secret from their child so so we at uh, the adoption field is, you know, roughly 40 years ahead of donor conception in terms of secrecy. So we know some things, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of overlap in just the the feelings because if, even families who adopt might not talk about it very much in the family. They might just sort of want to just act like, no, it doesn't make a difference. They're ours and that's it. and End a story. and And that's wonderful. It's a beautiful sentiment. I just, I like to encourage parents to kind of Go a little deeper and really be able to have conversations with with adoptees and donor conceived people, so that you mm-hmm. can if you have that kid who's really curious and deep and needs to know more and understand more that you can help them through that so
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so okay, I have more notes here, so i I have to tell you when I liked also the scene where i, I it really struck me when you meet when Kira meets her sibling her new sibling, mm-hmm. Cuban, her background is Cuban. And Pat, the subconscious, the voice, you know, interferes and says, like, h- like, how how could you do this? You're being disloyal or something. I can't remember what he says, but he's something yeah, like this. You're such a Judas. You're such a, <laughs> yeah, you're such a Judas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh God, that's perfect. And so, yes, of course, as an adoptee, I'm like, because like, I literally went through this last, this past summer where I I spent family? some time with my biological father for the first time and told, and my dad was new about it for the first time because long story, my mom, my mom didn't, wasn't okay with me meet, meeting my biological family, but, but my dad was fine. My my mom's passed. So my dad knew about it. So it was like out in the open for the first time. So I meet with my biological father and I'm like, this is great. I'm like, this is so awesome. It's all out in the open. No more secrets. You know, we can all just, just, I just wanted to live free just free just me and me and the intense intense division of loyalty i felt i mean it, like it was almost it's weird but it almost felt it felt so weird note that my dad knew and i felt like i was betraying him oh i could cry and and so yeah, I, too, I could cry like, even hearing you talk about it yeah i know and i'm like oh my gosh how how and i i, I told my bio father that i was like because he was wanting to hang out some more and i'm like i I can't, I got to figure this out. Like I I still like, I can't, I need some time. And I don't think he understood that. He didn't seem to understand that, but you know, that's okay. That's not, that's not his, that's not, that's our, that's our thing that we have to, we have to take care of ourselves and what we need. But I loved it. Cause Pat was like, you Judas and you're, and yeah, that's like a part of us is going, Oh gosh, I feel so bad. My dad is so great. I love my dad. Like you know, and those feelings are just overwhelming, aren't they? I mean, they can be for some people, not yeah. for everyone, but
1: yeah, yeah. I still feel like even though it's even though it's completely out in the open now, I matched with a sister last year. Wow, first time. Yeah, it was my first oh, wow. time matching with a yeah. with a sibling, and I had been like hoping and praying for that. Yeah. Like, I When I would hear in the forums people talking about, like, their siblings that they found, I was always like, oh, like, especially because, like, my donor, the donor my parents used for me, he was not interested in connecting whatsoever. Like, didn't even, didn't even write back himself to let me know that. So, like, that was such bummer that i was hoping all along i'm like oh i really hope i match with a sibling like that would really just and and i matched with her last summer and yeah and i remember feeling like excited the first time i knew she was gonna like meet my mom and like Mm-hmm. You know, but like also a little nervous because it's oh, like yeah. <laughs> the, the world's coming together and like knowing, you know, like when, you know, she was going to meet my brother, you know, and I I just met her parents like last week. And, you know, there is still like that, those nerves in there mm-hmm. because of that, like, like division of loyalty, that thing that you still you still feel inside like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, mm-hmm. but Mm-hmm. and and it's so funny how that's there even when actually everybody is like okay with it like my mom was like so happy for me when i matched with a sister yeah. you know my mother was happy for me um, you know my sister's parents are absolutely lovely people so it's just it's interesting though how our subconscious still yeah. go there even if everybody's okay with it exactly exactly
0: we can't take it it's there pat is there Mm -hmm. screaming in you know he's rocking out in our heads Mm -hmm. now
1: was your sister did you did you look like her did you share any traits did you feel a bond we look so alike we look Mm -hmm. so like i always tell her i'm like you're like the like the long island version of me (laughs) (laughs) from long island and i'm jersey Yeah. Uh, she's wonderful she's an amazing person she's such a boss she's so smart Mm. and yeah and we have so much in common like when we first met it was in the summertime and we both showed up and we were both wearing black sundresses and converse stop it just you hadn't planned it
0: yeah we just looked like oh my god it was
1: hilarious That's hilarious. Yeah. That's so like stuff, you know? It's, yeah, it's so funny. And like, in, you know, in some ways, you know, in many ways, personality wise, we're different. But, but the similarities are definitely there. And we definitely, we have like the same eyes. And just what I've been, what I've loved since like I've met her is just how easy it's been to just yeah. be with her. It's like I've known her my whole life. And it's like yeah. we're just picking up where we left off, you know, and making it's up a- for lost time. Do you
0: wonder, have you ever heard mirror neurons? I have heard Do of them. Do you wonder if it's yeah. that? Like maybe on a cellular level, there's some something there that just is sim- so similar enough in our yeah. half that it feels familiar. And so there's just this ease that, that settles in. I don't know. I don't know. There's also
1: I've, like that whole like genetic bewilderment. that I feel like there's mm, something just yeah. so comforting and at home to like look into the face look into the eyes of someone who has your eyes when you haven't had that in the past that like that feels like home it does it does yeah
0: because it's like looking in the mirror and that's why Mm -hmm. i call it genetic mirroring yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so so I may have been dancing in the kitchen a little bit with that song. <laughs> so it was a great song with oh, the sister, and I loved the the actress who played the sister of Kira. Oh my god, uh, she's
1: incredible! Yeah,
0: it was a great song, and I just like how you know you're able to discover new. Kira is able to discover, like many donor kidney people, like many adopted, their the new cultures or their culture, their identity, mm-hmm. their things that maybe made sense on a cellular level which the character what's her name the your sister's the kira's sister B- veronica 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 even says in the show that her grandmother her mother said our bodies know who we are
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so i was thinking that you know maybe it's that cellular knowledge somehow and that's in our DNA. I don't know. And as soon as I say that, I hear people going, You're a biodeterminist. No, I'm not. No, I'm not saying it's all genetics. Definitely not. I yeah. definitely understand that environment has a huge role. In fact, you know, I mean, massive role. So I wouldn't be who I was, who I am today, if it wasn't for my genetics and for being raised by my mom and dad.
1: Oh, same here. Nature and, and nurture yeah. are both equally important. I got so many qualities from my dad who raised me. I mean, like he was such a, he was such a public speaker and he was always about like I mean, I remember being little and him sitting me down and giving me all these like pep talks about like you gotta stick up for the little guy and you gotta say yeah. that you know, yeah. all of that. So yeah. yeah, he I got a lot of qualities from him, sense of humor, things like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I'll let you
0: explain what happened with Kira's mom though.
1: Yeah. So, um so this song is the song's like super dear to me. A, a lot of the song comes from like my parents' own story, which is why I think it resonates so much with people is because there's so okay. much truth in it. And I I wanted to like honor my parents and their story, you know? Yeah. But obviously through the lens of this character, Mary. Because Mary's really not very much like my mom at all, but <laughs> but yeah, I I wanted to I wanted to tell the story from the parents' perspective, and I wanted to really take people on the journey and take take Kira on the journey, take other donor-conceived people on this journey, like what it's like to find out that you're dealing with infertility, like all of the excitement of getting married and wanting to build a family and and for this particular couple in this song they first ran into sickness and you know when you're taking your marriage vows they say in sickness and in health and they immediately had that obstacle come up for them and that as a result the chemo led to Pat not being able to have children naturally and then how they navigate that. And I wanted okay people to be able to like go on that journey with this couple about all these little things, all these little steps that added up to this decision that they ended up making with the doctor, which was we'll find someone like your husband. Your kid will never have a clue. And like, and there's nothing, you know. Like I know, like my parents didn't have any kind of ill intent with that, you know? yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, like that's why it was like really important for me to like show the yeah. entire journey that led to that moment. And even though, you know, Kira has a reaction to all of that, I think it's definitely like it's an important. It's an important story to be told and and it definitely shows the complicated nature of like the relationship between parent and child when there's Mm -hmm. people hurting, you know, it's really hard to, sometimes it's really hard to listen when you're hurting. Like I I always, Mm -hmm. that that quote, like hurt people, Mm -hmm. hurt people. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like that song, there's a lot of, it's like two people really trying hard to communicate and, you know running it another
0: yeah exactly and you know the mountains of infertility is such is such a a huge a a huge mountain because you know it it, for a lot of people it's a life crisis it's the biggest crisis they'll ever face and it is you know just packed with loss in a lot of cases like loss after loss so of course you know that's why i having walked in those shoes and sort of seeing that side, too, and having infertility myself. And I understood what a lot of the parents I was seeing that were choosing donor conception, where they were feeling. And they were feeling grief, shame, guilt, all of these things. And so they thought a lot of times th- the doctors told them the best way to deal with that is to just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. But anyway, they're no. doctors, not therapists. They're not therapists. Right. But anyway, yeah, let's just ignore all this feelings. No, it doesn't work. So, so... They thought that was the way to do it. And so the parents, and, and it was easiest, honestly, let's just be honest, it was easiest for them to say that. And then so it was like the the parents would just be like, let's just sweep it under the rug and let, deal with it. Plus, they didn't have the skill set to deal with it or know how to and, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't acceptable and, and known in society. So yeah, that was just the way it was dealt with is to just, you know, bury it. But buried grief doesn't go anywhere. It just grows. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes you know even like for the mom in that mary in the complete picture to be saying you know you you're being ungrateful you should be be happy you're alive i i went through so much you know making it very them focused parent focused shows to me that mary hasn't processed her grief yet you know mary hasn't done her work (laughs) And I mean, as a person who went through infertility and ha- had to do the work, I can say that. So you got to do the work out there, mom and dad. So then, when your daughter, or son, you know, comes to you and says, "I'm sad," that you don't say, "But you don't know what I went through. I'm sad too." You just go, "Okay, I'm here for you. I'm I'm a clean slate, and let's talk. And I'm just here for you. Your stuff is in the past and gone, and just be there for your child." So. If parents need someone to understand their their mountains. But it's not the kid's job to understand the parents' mountains. It's not that's not the kid's job. When you're a kid or an adult. Well said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so complicated. It is. Yeah. I I wanted Mary to use those buzzwords. You know, the mm-hmm. Be grateful you're mm-hmm. alive. Be glad that you are here. I am. We were. Like. Because I don't think necessarily that I don't think that parents necessarily mean it in any kind of again, malicious way when they say this to kids. I think that a lot of times they think that saying that come is, is a loving thing to say because yeah. it's true for them. Like they are glad that you're here. Yeah. They're grateful you're alive. But it but like it's hard for them to realize that like that comes across as like dismissive. Yeah, um, very much so. Yeah. I yeah, I really wanted like I, I did not want the last thing I wanted with this show was to make parents the bad guy. That was the yeah. last thing I want. Like for me, it was writing this show. I really wanted this to be almost like a bridge between yes. you can see people and parents. Because Good. like I like just that. want conversations to be able to take place and conversations are really hard when Mm -hmm. you're stuck in your hurt it's really hard to put your own I mean I guess you could say like ego aside and and think about like the other person's perspective and that's like in like any kind of fight not even just your parents you know it's hard to put your ego aside and just be like okay even though I know my intention was never to hurt you I'm going to like put that aside and just think about how this was received and what you're telling me your experiences. And I think and that's hard both ways, you know that's it is donor can see people to think of their parents' experience, yeah, as well, you know, yeah,
0: it is. And you know, i've had donor conceived people tell me that they've read three makes baby which is geared towards parents and it's helping parents to work do their work yeah so a little, little plug Amazing. <laughs> and, and i've told them they've told me that it's actually helped them to understand their parents better and and the grief that they were going through so yeah understanding on both sides i actually have it written on my notes how can we understand each other's mountains so you totally said it, you know, it's, it's through em- empathy and putting our ego aside, putting or even maybe feelings of guilt that parents have. I, I find they react quickly of, oh, no, I did something wrong because my, my kid's not happy. It must be my fault. But if you can not just say, no, that's not true, you know, kind of calm and quiet those that that narrative, mm-hmm. because they're not most the of the time, that's not what the person is looking for from their parent is yeah. like for them to feel bad about themselves. They're just trying to like get understanding. So yeah, just get um, in.
1: That's perfectly said. And, you know, I really feel too that like, I don't feel like it's talked about enough that like when you do listen, like I feel like when, when I listened to my mom's story and I asked, started asking more questions, that actually helped me with my own healing process, understanding where they were coming from, because it made me, instead of thinking, instead of thinking as your, of your parents as like these superheroes that were like all raised, like we just in, in, instinctually feel like our parents are our superheroes. They're like the lights of our lives, which is very true. But to listen to their stories and see their perspective, it made me see them as human. And and humans make mistakes, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't label them as good or bad or anything. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, yeah, I feel like absolutely, I love to each other's like experience is. It's also like an essential part of our own healing processes, both ways. You know, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that. I love the way you said that. That is so true. Yeah, it's like you
0: see them as human, and you learn to kind of enter into that adult to adult relationship with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that can be humbling for parents too, because they're used to being the parent, the authority, the one that's you know is more in and, and to sort of have to admit you made a mistake to your child and and, you know, open that that vulnerability up can be hard for parents. So but I think it can be so healing because that bond can go stronger, like it did with your mom. And yeah. by doing that, and then you can have that adult to adult relationship. And if, and that's that's what's healthy. We you know obviously we don't want to. Our none of us really want to be parented when we're adults by our parent. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's not usually very fun. But I love how the last song is ends with your dad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, ends with Kira's dad. See, I did it the whole time.
1: Okay. Okay. Kira's dad.
0: Okay. And the last song ends with Kira's dad, and it began with Kira's dad. And I love how it began and ended there. Mm-hmm.
1: Was that deliberate? the character pat all he wants like his, his driving force is that he just wants kira to be okay and so it's so pat's your dad but also your subconscious yeah he's like right. i yeah he's like he's kira's subconscious he's basically like kira's memory but it's her, it's her yeah. subconscious like personified but um, okay
0: and then what's then then the the other actor who who sings the very beginning song and the very last song it's not the same as pat it's not okay so they're both so paul and that actor
1: constantine maroulis who sang the The constantine and the last they're playing the same character which i know okay i know it, got it got got it it, 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 it. so confusing i know in a concert setting but no yeah so they're all okay it kind of makes like you know if you see like the same actor play it'll be a little bit more clear but but yeah okay well was constantine's character? the or the constantine's part the like
0: actual ph- physical manifestation of Kira's dad and and paul was the uh, was more of the subconscious was that sub- or no, no? They're is
1: it just wrong. all like the they're, subconscious okay. i would say that okay. the way i i did it was that const the the version of pat that constantine was playing was not like the guilt and shame version. So, like, yes, yes, like, yes, yes. So like, like in the calmer, beginning. kind of like the more. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the first song that Constantine did at the yeah. beginning of the show, that's a very, like, nostalgic version yeah. Of, yeah. of Pat in Kira's mind. And then by the end of the show, Kira, you know, she, like, the way that the scene is set up is like, she is, like, looking at her newborn baby and, like, all the feels you know all of that yeah and and so at that point it's like something has like something has healed within her and she's like moving on and so like pat is pat is like transforming he doesn't need to be this like like force on her anymore and so like just coming from like a character's perspective because like you know i don't want to like tell like the actors playing Pat, like you're just her subconscious, like yeah, so, yeah. Like yeah. they have to have a perspective too, and like their perspective, yeah, is just, like sense. they just want Kira to be okay because really, like Kira just wants to be okay. She just wants to be yeah. be okay and move on so that she mm-hmm. can be a mom that's not bringing this trauma mm-hmm. to yeah. her, ch- her child's life. So, yeah. so that final song, oh, yeah, is it. sort of like. It's kind of a, a final stage of Kira's own healing journey. And mm-hmm. it's like the best version of her father she can think of, you know, mm-hmm. saying kind mm-hmm. of like all the things oh, okay. that she like wishes that they could say because they don't get to yeah. have that conversation ever, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And
0: you speak to a lot of people's experience who have lost their father that raised them and then found out they were donor conceived. And aren't able to get closure. Yeah,
1: it's it's the worst. Like it it stinks knowing like I'm never gonna have that conversation with him. I would definitely say that like writing this in that sense has been healing a little bit for me because it's kind of like I got to like create a conversation that never will yeah. actually be able to happen. Yeah. But yeah. for me, it was like important for to take that sort of element from my own life into Kira's story, to have her, like, that she lost her dad and found out that she was donor conceived afterwards. Because, like, I want, like, parents in the audience, when they see this story, to realize, oh, I don't, I could, I could die tomorrow. I need to talk to my kid. I need to make this right, like, you know, families that aren't speaking anymore because of this. I hear about that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to pick up the phone and have that difficult conversation because, yes, like yeah. you don't, your kid is going to have to. Ki- I say kid, but you know what I mean. Like we're adults, but yeah, you know what I mean. Your child, but it's the parents yeah. kid from child. a parent. Yeah, it's always the parents' job. Yeah, yeah. no matter how old they're exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you know if you don't talk about this now your child is going to have to work this out for themselves yeah. the way Kira had to in this story and it's like yeah like have this have the talk now <laughs> have the talk oh i love that and i love that this was the final like that's
0: kind of the message and we can end on that with that message because it is so powerful and if so if anyone if you're listening out there and you haven't had the conversation yet do it Because there's so much healing that can happen in those conversations Mm -hmm. and closure and acceptance and peace. Mm -hmm. And you can give that to your kid even if you haven't told yet and you're worried how they're going to feel. You still have something you can give them and good that can come from it. So Totally. Yeah. To go for it so mm-hmm. oh i love this has been so deep and so- i know how much so easy to talk with i understand why you're in therapist <laughs> that's right but well i'm so excited and please keep us posted on like the next steps and can anyone is there a way to watch the show if someone i know people are
1: l- listening are going to want to watch mm-hmm. it now so is do you have it available for like purchase online or so so the last couple of days I've actually like been talking, trying to figure out like the best way to go about this, just because people like had bought tickets and everything and I want to honor that. So I think do want people to be able to see the show though. So if if you want to watch the concert, you can email me at the complete picture musical at gmail dot com. And if you would just please consider making a donation exchange, especially because right now we are actually in the process right now of trying to get booked. We want to record professionally another mountain and I am not a secret for both the parent community and the donor conceived community. So, but that costs money and still like kind of working out our budget. So, you know, is there a place they can go to donate? Because there might be people that want to do
0: that right away. Yes. Yeah. Where can they go?
1: So you can go, we have a, the show has a Venmo, which is just the complete picture musical. You can also find like the little scanny thing on the completepicturemusical.com If you click concert cast, you scroll to the bottom and there's like a little scanny thing. But um, so yeah, so feel free to email me if you are interested in watching the concert. Would really appreciate a donation and I'm happy. To send you the link to the concert because I definitely want as many people as possible to see this and feel seen and all of that. So yeah, yeah. it's great. And I speak again for like adoptees too
0: to see something like that in a musical format and just the the same overlapping issues to be to see it expressed and on stage is so validating. It's such a validating experience and it, it's so healing. So thank you for that. Thank you for your work. And
1: uh, yeah, I hope we can get it out there the full show that's definitely like the next phase the next goal so you know as much hype and as much buzz as we can create about this as possible help us get there and then if there's anyone out there who is interested in like coming on board and joining us yes email me at the complete picture musical at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so wonderful. So great to chat with you. Yes,
0: you too. Thank you for listening in today and just as always you know how to find my resources the book online on Amazon the workbook companion that goes with it I also have parent courses that are available for you to take they're self-paced they are divided up into sections that kind of depending on the stage that you're in this of parenting or preparing for donor conception And that's available through the links on my Instagram and at 3mixbaby.com.